welcome to the Low Carbon Business Podcast, the home of future thinking enterprise. For the innovators, the dreamers, the grafters, the progressive entrepreneurs, business is changing. It's taking more responsibility for its impact on the environment. With smaller firms being a creative wellspring for this shift, more and more SMEs are showing that being green is good for business, as well as doing good for the planet. We discuss global challenges from a local perspective, explore green technologies, new business models and sustainable supply chains. Tune in for useful tips, insight and information about how to improve your bottom line whilst making a positive impact on the planet. Let's jump in. The future of conservation relies on an enduring relationship between humankind and the natural world. Those who are more in tune with their natural surroundings are more likely to behave positively towards the environment, wildlife and habitats. Jamie Quince Starkey is the founder of Down to Earth Derby, a company that seeks to connect people with nature, their community and themselves. Starting out as a small community on a local allotment, the company uses nature-based projects to incite, empower and inspire the people of Derby and beyond. We had a conversation with Jamie about their exciting plans to revolutionise urban environments. Well, welcome, Jamie. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast today. Uh, first of all, can you just introduce yourself and perhaps how you've already been connecting with the university to date? Yeah, of course I can. Thanks for having me. So I'm Jamie Quinstarkey. I'm the... Um, so weird always saying this but I'm the director and founder of Down to Earth Derby uh, we are an independent catalyst for nature based regeneration uh, a project that was found you know actually found in my back garden whilst I was growing food and connecting with nature um, and we've grown from you know being a bit of a social outfit to kind of like a well, an independent catalyst, which is we're a bit of a movement, and we, you know, we we move within wherever we need to go, um, and we are all about nature-based regeneration. Um, so I'm a my background, which is always crazy because I'm like on this my journey, is that I'm a by trade shop floor factory fitter. So I've been working at Rolls Royce for the last six years, um, balancing turbines and uh, fitting modules together, which was a good job, you know, enjoyed the job. However, um, I've always been interested, I'm a nature enthusiast by heart, um, and travel, I've, been, I've traveled the world a bit, I've seen, seen some stuff, and I've kind of wanted to do more, and um, the whole idea behind Down to Earth came from me being fed up with feeling so overwhelmed and disempowered with uh, the world and how little we feel and being Derby born and bred, nothing ever happens in Derby, does it? You know, that's the feeling, nothing ever happens. Um, nothing good comes here. And I was just sick of it, basically. And I, and I kind of just had this idea in, in my back garden. It was like, right, let's just crack on. Let's just do something. Um, obviously you guys know in a university especially there's meetings upon meetings upon meetings which has been an interesting educational process for myself um, 
but just going out and doing something was was super important so yeah we're we're an independent Calliton nature-based regeneration we're looking to regenerate the city center through obviously nature and trying to bring a different way to see in nature and and making it accessible for people of all walks of life and and kind of being in it's a holistic process a holistic model what we want to do is you know build an economic model you know improve social mobility reconnect the community um and all that kind of good stuff it's amazing um not that long ago fred did a presentation where I, we were at uh, De Montfort University and Fred did this presentation and it showed what the future could look like in cities and it was like green spaces and there was plants everywhere and it was really futuristic what it what really interests me about what you're doing is your regeneration plan and I've seen the drawings and your visualizations is very close to like Fred's visualization of what the future looks like and that's what excites me about what you're doing and you know talk not just the green spaces and using you know um having green spaces attached to buildings but you know even like talking about bringing wetlands to inner city spaces so I kind of like to jump in there but really kind of like where where did this kind of where does the imagination the creativity come from to think about how can we completely regenerate a city a city you know a city like Derby that's a great question. The idea came from me sitting in a shopping car park on the phone to the head architect at Eden Project, which is how our conversations normally are while we're in travel and we're just like, could you imagine this? Could you imagine that? I think, you know, one of the problems that we kind of face is the bureaucracy of the world now and the compartmentalization. We've lost our creativity. We've lost the ability to have that awe and wonder. Whereas when you're talking to the folks at Eden Project, that's all they do. You know, they go, imagine this, imagine that. Fortunate for me, I'm in that world as well because of the kind of job that I've created for myself, which is crazy. Um, And so it's part of that, but it's also part of being fed up with the city centre. You know, we've got a river that we've turned our back on. Why have we turned our back on the river? And it's like, well... Could you imagine if we did this instead? Could you imagine if we did that? Could you imagine if we did something like that? And what we need more than anything is not being risk averse. We need to be super radical. And the creative element comes from, we've got to make changes now. We ain't ain't got long to turn them things around. We've got to do it right now. Otherwise, we're done. That's it. That's That's the be all and end all. And for me, having having two kids, you know, and me being, you know, growing up from Derby, this is where I'm from, and kind of the, you know, although Rolls-Royce is a great job, the opportunities for me is that you go, you're a shop, you know, working class, you're going to go work at Rolls-Royce. If you become an engineer and you get yourself up, brilliant, but that's about it. You know, my kids deserve more than that. And, and you know, the generation after us they deserve more than that we need to be future thinking at the minute we're not and that's kind of where all them ideas come from Uh, one of the things that we've talked about a lot uh, through the podcast is that um, just do it Um, and I would would probably even insert there's an F star 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 in there um, 
there's an imperative now um, and great to hear people like you um, actually living that ethic so you've you know you've you've had a, a, a good job in a regular organization but you've actually moved on from there to be doing really tangible things that are directly making a difference in the city centre. I've walked around and I see outside some of the shops. There's the kind of the the pallet uh, grow uh, frames that are up in uh, outside the shops to just get the the the, the, the pavement areas greener and got more vegetation and stuff in there. So it's absolutely practical. I'm going to take you back to something you just said, though. So you're in the car park talking to the head architect of Eden Project. Now that's not something that most regular people. Get to, get to say where does the connection with the Eden project come from so the hi- history of down to earth obviously the idea came from um, a back garden epiphany you know and I could be quite and I am quite obvious with the spiritual connections with nature which I do think we need you know we need that that's imperative as well because we are all part of nature um, so down to earth in the back garden epiphany is we need to reconnect people with nature make it more accessible not just physically it's more of a psychological hurdle you know how does joe public who lives in a council estate um you know who's got a two-dimensional screen sat above his fireplace in his flat and he's watching planet earth and it's telling him how bad humans are for the planet and you know we've got this happening in the antarctic and we've got this happening in the rainforest and it's the human's fault how is he going to connect that with the world around him it's just never going to happen because the world around him he ain't got no accountability ownership or responsibility for the concrete jungle he lives in what we need to do is give him that accountability responsibility and ownership and that is through that psychological access to nature you know and that's what i got and that's what everyone gets when they start gardening you can't believe the magic that you've been able to grow potatoes in buckets you know something as simple as that it gets people on their relationship with nature no matter where they start it we're giving them that access point that's where we started you know so we're fortunate for me had a wedding reception party where i had um, a graduate from nottingham who was a friend of mine and he was doing his filmmaker's degree so I just grabbed him at that point and said, do you want to do some filming around this? And he was like, yeah, son, let's do it. I had a good support from Jack O'Connell, who's a good friend of mine as well, who kind of helped produce it. And we created this (laughs) documentary, you know, on a wing and a prayer. And we, (laughs) we, we screened it at the quad and it was met unbelievably well. We created our own monster we started doing community allotment sessions and we started taking people out to the Peak District for walks and, you know, it was like this new kind of social. And what we wanted to do and what we needed to do for our own like mental health and well-being, other people jumped on that. They wanted that as well. So we knew there was a mar- not a market, but there was an audience to engage with on, on this kind of thing and we were building a community, you know, socially, online. Like one of the best examples I've got is that, and I always say this because I think it's brilliant, is that this teacher in Denmark who was following on social media, um, she wrote to us asking if she could come to Derby to one of our allotment sessions and bring her school, her class with her. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, what were you doing 
why would you want to do that to come to Derby? But she's followed us throughout and, she, you know, she's she's taken on what we're posting online and she's do, she's taken that into the school, which is incredible, and, like, sending us pictures. So, you know, we know the way that we go around our message is hitting. We've done this film. Um, it's gone down tremendously. Then we're doing these sessions. Then I'm, like, going, how do I make this sustainable for myself because I want to do this, like... What I'm getting out of this is where my life needs to go. And um, create this program. Program's brilliant, you know, talks, walks and garden sessions, trying to create a model there. COVID happened, wiped it all out, took me back to reflect on actually what I really want to do is, you know, the big vision that was 10 years. COVID had made maybe two years, maybe, you know, even less than that now. And I was really cheeky and I just sent, um, you know, I've got a big, I've got a big connection with Eden Project, taking annual pilgrimage to Cornwall, you know, always get on that top platform at Eden Project, looking down at an old disused Chinese clay pit quarry and go, how the hell have they done this? You know, it's 20 years old now and how have they done this? This is incredible. Like what a feat, you know, I can't remember the, the actual numbers that I think it was, you know, may, may cost 30 million or something like that, or 80 million. I know there's a big difference in that. But they bought 3 billion into the Cornish economy from what they created at Eden Project. So big inspiration there. And I'm looking at this place and I'm going, why isn't this up and down the country? Why isn't this how universities educate and blah, blah, blah. And I sent a email to Tim Smith on a night shift and I was just cheeky. I said, I want to do this in Derby. Like, I want to do this in Derby or Derbyshire. Um, I think, you know, Eden Project's one of the biggest inspirations this is how we do things. This is the, vid- the the film that we created. And a week later, he sent me an email back and he asked me to come meet him. So I met him and his senior senior team at Eden. They were like, we love you. We love what you're doing. Can't give you any money, but how can we help you? And I just was like, just be our friends for the time being. So they became my friends. And he goes, well, one, one further, I'll actually become your mentor. So after that, obviously, I'm walking around Eden Project with my missus. I'm just like, has that really just happened? Like, just like that. Um, so he's believing in the project, you know, so we've got someone of that calibre and that clout believing in the project, come to Derby, start building a team to distill what this vision might be. You know, is it in the Peak District? Is it in the city centre? I think COVID version two happened and we're seeing what's becoming more apparent is all them issues that were under the surface have all bubbled to past the surface you know we're seeing them you know shopping centers are dying out retail experience is dying out social mobility community isolation deprivation blah 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 all that stuff we already know um so the following summer after that first initial meeting with eden we've stayed in contact and you know i've got them at the end of the phone which is crazy and then um i went down with the team we went behind the scenes at Eden Project, so we saw how things were were ran. We met the team who all knew about us, which was even crazier. Like they all loved what we were trying to do. They actually lent us the Eden Project team lent us the camping equipment to stay there, which is crazy but fantastic. And uh, so we sat down with Tim. We kind of went over this idea, and he went, "It's brilliant." He was like, "You you can do this. You know, you can do this. You need to build a business proposal." He's like, this is how you need to do it. This is what you need to do. And I was like, Tim, I've got three shifts. I work a three shift pattern. I've got two kids and I'm trying to like support this community. How am I supposed to do this? And well, he goes, well, 
I've never asked for a favour from Rolls-Royce and I'll make this my favour. I'll write to the chief exec, Warren East, and I'll get you off work and we'll, we'll see what we can do. He writes uh, the best cover letter I've ever had, which I need to frame or do something with. Um, he writes the best cover letter and he sends Warren East this amazing um, you know, description of what we're trying to do and achieve. Warren East replies in 24, less than 24 hours and says, yeah, we'll give him a year off. We'll get it sorted. I've got time for Jamie. That was last... So last October was my initial um, secondment. So, you know, they're sponsoring me through this. I've actually got that extended now. So they've given me another year and there's more to that, which will come out eventually. Um, so, yeah, that's how it started. And then obviously from that point and being full time into the project, that relationship is grown and, and coalesced with, with Eden Project to the point they're, they're very, they're seriously impressed with the movement that we've created in Derby, which I must admit is quite easy because, you know, it's easy to get round, it's very small, you know, the, the networking is really, really quick if you put the time and energy into it. And um, so, yeah, that happened, distilling the ideas with them, networking with them, we went to COP26 with them, um, you know, done some talks with, with Tim, and then we did a showcase at Bustler Market in April. We just put a target in to kind of distill this vision. Kind of had a bit of a resource pack from, from Eden, the head architect, the chief exec, the head of education, all these kind of different people being involved and loving what we're trying to create in Derby. And then, yeah, they designed our vision. They took what was in our heads and took it to the next level. So yeah, that's kind of where it is. And now they're working in partnership with us on, on this kind of project in Derby, which is pretty, it's a dream really, but you don't know you're in the dream, do you? No, until you wake up. Until you wake up. An incredible story, isn't it, Fred? Um, I'll jump in there if that's all right. Um, this this show that we're, we're recording here, um, it's called, well, we don't know the name yet, but it's about decarbonisation. It's working with businesses, SMEs, startups, pre-startups, about how they can look at their business models, how they can be more sustainable, how they can be more ethical, how they can contribute to a more sustainable, greener business. We talk, there's talk about energy, there's talk about transport, there's talk about well-being. But what I love about your story, we're looking at decarbonisation from a agricultural point of view so agricultural being looking at regeneration regenerative agriculture people growing their own fruit and veg organic uh, and you know you look at sequestration and, and drawdown and actually what's really exciting here for me is that you know businesses can talk about you know being more responsible where they travel to work the energy they use but actually your project is something that a lot of businesses could get really involved with they could invest in this they could be part of it they can they can contribute to to creating that vision into a reality from a dream into the reality what 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 can businesses in derbyshire do to support the work that you're doing money <laughs> <laughs> it was money but you know some of the best advice I've had from Tim and Tim says this a lot is that these projects don't work unless there's partnerships across the board that's the only way they work that, that's the, the, the epitome of it it only works if we work in partnership across all the different sectors so it's collecting all them pieces 
and then putting them together and then figuring it out from there. Obviously, money's the, the, the priority at the minute because these things kind of cost money. However, in the long term, you know, they're going to save a lot of money. Um, being part of it is, is, you know, if I'm speaking from the heart, it's being part of it. You know, the, the, this people in Derby have this same feeling, and I said it earlier, is nothing ever happens in Derby. Nothing comes here. Why should I bother? You know, lads who I've spoken to on the shop floor... Why should I bother doing anything? I'm not going to be here. That mentality, you know, if you look at it on the front, we hear that all the time and we just think nothing of it. If you go delve into that, that is a crazy way of thinking. We've got, we've all got kids, we've all got families, you know, we've all got relationships with children in some form or another. What a way to think about the world that we're going to be just going, why should we bother? What Derby needs is a cultural shift in going, what's, what's next? You know, what's going to happen next? And that cultural shift has to happen through all the different sectors. And it's through, you know, as cliche as it is, it's through down-to-earth conversations. It's making people feel human again. There's a lot of jargon around, you know, environmentalism now. And what people need to realise the most is that they are part of nature. A guy who's a chief exec, so for instance, a chief exec in a aerospace company for instance he is just connected to nature as someone who may be homeless on the street that is our relationship with nature first and foremost for an example as well we did a team build workshop which came around quite strangely I got a phone call from Rolls Royce thought they were ringing me to go back to work they asked us to do a team build workshop for, for some of the senior leadership team um, ended up <laughs> we thought it was for 20 ended up being 40 of the world um, team, you know, the, the, the world leaders in, in Rolls-Royce um, who flew in to Heathrow and we, we did a team build workshop for them at the Hilton Heathrow Hotel and it was brilliant. We got them building planters that we donated to schools and creating seed bombs. 100% positive feedback, you know, for this workshop, for these people who you... who your everyday Joe would go, they've got nothing to do, you know, they don't care. But everyone does care, it's finding that way to connect them into it. Mm. One of the things that strikes me about this, the whole debate around this is that it's so important for us all to um, reconnect with and probably create that kind of beautiful vision of the future. And what's great about what you're doing, Jamie, is that you're physically going out and be, you know in the city centre you're beginning to create what a city a future city centre might might look like so in terms of the plans that you've been developing but also the planters that you've got outside the, the shops and you're in, you're engaging people do you think there's a sense of you were talking about this before that uh, in the younger generation so you know I, I guess the kind of the you know the, the the 15 to 30 year old kind of generation that the kind of work that you're doing helps them take ownership of creating that view of the future for themselves not what the old the old guard like like me and you know some of the university colleagues and council colleagues it's all very well us having a view of you know what should be done we'll, we'll take it into a committee and we'll take two years to plan out a, a, an action plan whereas actually there's something important about getting the younger generation involved, active, 
not just to do the stuff, but actually for, for them to feel like they're owning the future. Exactly. You know, th- th- this whole thing only works with giving people ownership, responsibility and accountability for where they live. That's the only way they're going to look after it. You know, for instance, how, how many times do you walk past the street and don't pick up the rubbish that you see on the floor? Imagine a place where people go, I ain't having that round here, that's got to go in the bin. Like, and people just do that instinctively. That, that's what we've got to be aiming for, that kind of mentality. Um, and it, this, it, this really does not work unless we create the framework and models needed to develop that. Because that, you know, let's be realistic. You know, we can't just go, sure city, go do what you want with it it's not going to work because people will go, I don't know what I want. I don't know how it's going to work. Well, if you go, here's a vision, here's what we think, you know, here's, here's something that is creative and, you know, it's radical. We've got to be radical because that's the only way it's going to attract people to go, oh my God, like we can do this. And then letting them fill in the gaps and fill it, fill it in from there. You've got to do this with the community. You've got to do this with the community. A lot of the problems that have happened in Derby have been have happened because things have happened to the community, not with them. You know, the, the city council's big thing, which is really weird for me to say because four years ago, if you said I'd be in this position in this relationship that I have with the city council, I'd tell you to jog on. And I say that to them, and where I'm now, I'm going. I can't believe we've got this governing body that's actually listening to the, what we've got to say. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to change the culture of we're here to tell you what to do, to go in. We're here to listen to what you've got to say and we'll try and develop from that. But you do need a vision to, to process that. Um, you know, and, and something that always plays on in my head, to your point, Fred, is the, some of the best advice I've had is from a friend of mine. Ready, fire, aim have a have a have an idea that's out there just do it just do whatever you can to get there and you and you talk you will aim your aim will come in on that target eventually at some point so you know what we're doing with the planters and kind of the behavioral change stuff and you know we did this little kind of um mini festival on the market square with the forest which was called force for nature we had different community organizations taking over these kind of cabins and running workshops it was brilliant it went down the tree they've actually asked us to run that through in august but them kind of little things that grow out you know pun intended like this has to grow on the same page with the community at the same level because if we do something big and just smash it in people go well we weren't asked about that no we don't care about that we wanted you know we wanted this instead of that we wanted a playground whereas if you do things in in sync with the community and you take them along for the ride they become part of it we need we need everyone to be part of this if, if there was a down-to-earth business Movement, mm. and you were addressing that first meeting, like you, you know, you you had your meetings in, in the town centre about your vision. What is it that you that you would want to ask of that group of local business people? Bearing in mind, you know, money's great, but business is tight, and there are things that businesses might be able to do rather than fund. That's a good point because we are actually at that point now. 
Um, so obviously some of the projects are developing in a priority order, which makes sense because, you know, not only do we need to f hit certain access touch points when we talk about nature, but we need to make sure that we become a sustainable, feasible model for this nature-based regeneration thing that we're talking about. Um, so we're now talking about partnerships with different businesses, um, you know, could be resource, could be material, um, you know, like talking with Eden, obviously we've got a resource there, talking with the university, there's a lot, you know, that's probably another conversation in itself with how that relationship is developing, um, you know, talking to different community organisations to get them to become part of the movement so they can be involved in creating the spaces. Um, you know, there's so much, like we've already got partnerships, so we're working with Bates Western who are supporting us with our accountancy, which is super helpful. And then we've got Smith's partnership who are helping us with creating our business models, you know, with our community interest companies and, you know, creating our legal structure with what them partnerships look like. Um, obviously Rolls-Royce has sponsored me, so that's a big one. Um, you know, Berghaus have sponsored us with clothing. Draper Tools have sponsored us with tools. So we'll grab what we can. <laughs> it sounds like from, from, from an outside looking in that there is a lot of businesses that are really supportive and a lot of people. And, and you're right, it is a movement and it's getting traction. As part of my job, one of my jobs is in terms of identity and communications is to understand how we communicate with people. How do we communicate with people? How do we give the right messages and connect them and become sticky with what we're trying to say? And one of the things that I'm finding is that it's about it's not about nudging people or demonising people. It's about motivating people and about talking the right language so that they understand you. And what it's not just that your project. It's like a lot of the businesses that I'm hearing from through, through this show, this podcast, is that it's more like going back to a more traditional way of life working, living, connecting with nature, being less wasteful, being more resourceful, not always being completely money-driven, but more community-driven. And I think that is a great motivator for a lot of people that it's a more, it's a more sustainable way of life, it's an older way of life. Um, just to jump on that, one of the things that I, I like what you're doing, and I'd like to kind of look at the food side of things now, um, because the growing um, and... One of the things that, that, that why growing is so important in terms of decarbonizing is one, we don't have to rely solely on big supermarkets, mass agriculture and, and like the mass growing and actually growing fruit and veg in our own gardens. Um, it's super nutritious. Doesn't have most of the time herbicides, pesticides. But I, I like the fact that you mentioned your children as well, that it's education. It's about teaching the younger generation or anyone about where our food comes from and why being healthy is so important. Because then again, it's still all rel relative to climate. That, you know, maybe we're eating less, we're eating better, we're healthier, we're walking more, exercising more. So I suppose the question out of this, I might just jump on education. How, how do we educate? more people about this type of living and behaviour <clears throat> don't tell show that's it just show them why it's show them why it's cool you know that's that's how we see things we see nature being the coolest thing ever like if you can grow on that example earlier growing potatoes in a bucket 
growing your own potatoes. I was talking to a friend earlier, he's grown potatoes for the first time. So it's like digging for treasure, isn't it? He was like, yeah, he was like, exactly that. It's like, um, that's, that's his starting point in his relationship with growing food. He'll be on that journey now, you know, and my kids, it's incredible really. And I'm not even doing it on purposefully. I'll be in the garden and telling them what things are. And they're telling me after, and they're telling people who are my age, who don't even know what them things are, what they are. You know, he knows flowers. My, my son, he knows different flowers in the garden. And it's intuitive, which is the beauty of our relationship with nature. It's instinctual, it's intuitive, because we are nature. And it's getting that message across to people. And that, you can't go in people's faces and go, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. It's, you know, it's showing. Sorry, it's, it, you know, it's showing it, not telling it. And I think that, that there's so many different avenues we can go down with, with what we're talking about and probably could talk all day. The, the, the food element is if we can get people to grow their own food, that's a massive one. But growing food in your own garden to be sustainable isn't sustainable. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's not realistic. Community growing, though, that's something else. Funnily enough, that's something that we used to do. There used to be community orchards. There used to be space at the commons. The, the commons was a space where you could get all your natural resources from and you shared that with the people that you live, the community that you lived around. All these kind of things that supported, you know, people, um, people's lives is all gone. You know, because we, we're, we're, the things that we're moving towards is, is efficiency, you know, all the tech that we have in our lives. We have more leisure time now to the point that we don't even have leisure time anymore, you know, because we've got that many different activities. I've got to take my kids, you know, football. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. One of the things that we need to do is slow down. We've literally got to slow down and just like take a step back and actually realize the things that are important in our lives, which came from COVID. You know, when everything locked down and you couldn't do the things that you wanted to do, what did you do? You went for a walk out in nature, you switched off. And then you started realizing things, you know, you started ticking over and going, actually, there's something about this. We found that, you know, we really found that with, with people from all walks of life who, who kind of came into the, the down-to-earth um, down world. And we need to harness that energy now, you know, and... I've got, I've got a team of people who are working with me now. One of them is a, a community gardener, organised community sessions. One of them used to work on uh, like community farms. I've got a person who's working for us who used to be a teacher who got fed up with being overstressed and overran and not actually doing the thing that she started the whole reason why she teached for. And, you know, she's now creating packages and curriculum um, packages and, you know, uh, thinking about doing garden work with with kids to support teachers you know because let's be realistic again we're not all going to go homeschool and educate our kids at home although that would be great if we had the time we need to be pragmatic and use what's there and support what's there for change mm. uh, could uh, could the community garden because i'm i live slightly out in the countryside in leicestershire and um you i do see community gardens around and what's really fascinating event fascinating about the work you're doing is how can community gardens work in inner city environments built up environments are you exploring that now and figuring out how that can work so this is like the thing that excites me the most you know is is building that into you know the city centre how 145 different dialects are spoken in Derby 
in a in a town essentially you know i know we're a city but the size of it we are a town 145 different dialects how do we connect all them well we all eat food you know we all we all connect over food and we've got 145 different nationalities to think of all that varied food that we can grow in the city what an attraction that might be you know which is the the outline for the future farm so one of the projects that we've got um if you've seen it is is the future farm uh, along the riverfront so 2050 majority of populations are going to be living in urban environments so how are the farmers in the countryside going to support you know feeding the cities think about the carbon that goes into that why don't we create inner city farms obviously it's more novelty than feeding the thousands however we'll feed how many people we can and educate them which is, that's the model that it needs to be is an educational tool for people to grow their own stuff um so that's one project the other project which is on the other whole of a opposite side is is the electric daisy there's a the, the theme for that was a botanical cocktail bar because we like to have a drink in derby you know let's let's give an offer a cultural offer where we can do you know events gigs talks um whatever you know even showing the football in in, a, in an environment that is nature themed nature based and we can grow garnishes there that for me is that i'm in you know i'm in and i know the majority of my mates will be in for that um however we can connect that with this future farm so if we connect that with the future farm the future farm can start growing food for inner city businesses so we can grow food sell food and then i'll tell you what what we'll do after that we'll take your waste because if we take your waste we can start creating our own compost composting is a big one in, in community growing if we can if we can get composting down, you're, that's the next level. Yeah. Jamie, you've got an amazing vision. You've got amazing energy. If I could take this bottle in front of us and, and capture some of it, I'm sure you've heard that a lot. Uh, we, we, you'd make a million tomorrow. Uh, thanks for sharing your story with us. I hope that we can communicate out to lots of people about what, what's going on here in Derby. What an exciting place it's going to be in the in the coming months and years uh have, have all the very best of luck to to make that vision come true thanks to yeah, both of you nice one yeah joe if, if we want to send people to find out more about you where, where should we send them i'd say instagram's the best that's kind of where we're most active which is dt derby um we've got a website as well which is dtderby.org and we also are on linkedin which is a new one that I'm getting used to. Um, but yeah, that, they're probably the best channels to find us. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you Brilliant. so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having Inspiring. me. Nice one. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Low Carbon Business Podcast is brought to you by the University of Derby. Thank you to all our partners. The show is produced by Seed. Audio by Guru Music. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening to this on. To get in touch, contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to hear about your business, project, or idea. Save money, protect the environment, and re energize your business. This is the Low Carbon Business Podcast.